0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast brought to you by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and this is the official last track session from last year's National Disciple Making Forum. We did it. That was a lot of material and a lot of encouragement, a lot of challenges, and a lot of new information that we just simply didn't know before we started this journey together. So, thank you so much for sticking with me through all this. And I, for one, can't wait to jump into the forum that just happened a few days ago and all the new track sessions and material we're going to get from that. Today's episode features Gina Holm from Navigators, and she's talking about the difference between growing a vibrant disciple-making culture and well-intentioned programs that often fizzle out. The answer to that question is core team leaders that just don't give up. This episode focuses on the importance of modeling spiritual disciplines, celebrating discipleship, and providing direction that will inspire core team members to run with endurance the race set before them. I just want to encourage you make sure you stay tuned after the break. Gina tells a completely heartbreaking yet utterly inspiring story about her son that you're going to want to hear. All right, let's dive in and listen to this last track session featuring Gina Holm from Navigators. Enjoy.
1: Well, welcome. My name is Gina Holm, and I have the privilege of working along with this wonderful guys uh, with Navigators uh, Church Ministries, uh, coming alongside local churches to help uh, grow an intentional disciple-making culture. So it is my pleasure and my privilege to be here with you and wrap up our fourth uh, session and, you know, I kind of picked up on what they did. They left me for the end after lunch. You know, when everybody's, like, falling asleep. That's very nice of them. So this workshop is about endurance. So I'm going to have to endure. And you guys are going to have to endure with me. <laughs> so I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Uh, tell you what, do you guys mind if we just pause real quick and just invite the, the Holy Spirit to take over my words? <laughs> it's my favorite part of this for him to take over. Um, Father God, we just uh, we come to you, and as always, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we come to you with thanksgiving. We thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, discipleship.org. We thank you for what we each get to do um, in the places that we live, worship, work, and play uh, for your kingdom, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, we know that you're always present, but I just want to personally welcome you and invite you into this space as we are in the finish line of this um Uh, For this workshop, Uh, would you use the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your heart and your mind? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so enduring to the end, uh, but before we endure, (laughs) um, I want to just kind of, part of being at the end, we kind of have to bring the the whole thing forward so we know where we're moving from. So our first first workshop... um, was uh, the C part, right, of, uh, of core teams, and the importance of, uh, so Justin shared the importance of sharing and having a common vision. So having a common vision, is it's key. Uh, it is so, so important. And so the common vision, it takes intentionality, it's relational, and it's multi-generational. Um, and what is the common goal? What is the vision? right? <laughs> to make disciples that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. That is the goal, right? All those, th- to, in order to do that, it will require intentionality, relationship, and uh, a, a multi-generational mindset. So then we moved on uh, to Pastor Dave. He shared about the O, which is ownership. Um, So, ownership requires commitment to the goal, and the commitment to the goal as a team. It requires us investing in relationships in and outside of the meeting time. Um, Then we had Dane to share with us about relational resilience. And uh, one of the things that I wrote down about what Dane said is relational resilience will require our knowing who we are, knowing who the people that we're leading are. And then he gave three practical steps. It requires us to slow down. When conflict comes into a team, it will require us to slow down. We need to ask God for wisdom, and we need to be gracious in the way that we do it. So that's where we've been since yesterday morning. Um, that's where the journey that we've been on so now we bring it forward and tonight, and right now we're going to go ahead and this one is how do we build a core team that won't give up we all have been parts of teams that everybody's really excited at the beginning right it's like here i am lord send me and the lord goes okay great let's go And you're like wait i thought we we're going this way And the Lord's like, no, you thought you were going that way. (laughs) I've always known that we're going this way. Are you still coming? Right, and that's the hard question with our core teams or the people that we lead. They get really excited at, at the idea of disciple making. But then when they realize what it'll take, they start, you know, their excitement starts dwindling a little bit. So how do we build a core team that won't give up? Well, What would you say makes the difference between a growing, vibrant disciple making culture in our churches and the well intentioned programs that often fizzle out? Thank you. Yes, core leaders that don't give up. So, how do we get them? How do we get core leaders that won't give up? You're going to have to be a core leader that doesn't give up. You're going to have to be the leader that is enduring till the end. You are going to have to be the leader that is showing them the way. Because you get to set that pace. I love what Pastor Dave said. As as pastors, and many of you guys are pastors in this room, you get to set that pace. So that is how we, you know, we have to be core leaders that don't give up. All right? What are some of the challenges that well-intended disciple-making programs face and often fail to overcome? What are some of the challenges? Because I know, I know that, that a lot of you guys, your heart is discipleship. And I know you're here. <laughs> that says something, right? So what, what would you say are the challenges that you have seen well intended programs fail. What are the challenges? Time constraint. Time constraint? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. I just don't have the time. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I was gonna do that. So Gary said time constraint. And then when I asked him if he could expand on that, he shared, you know, that once people realize the time that it will take, you know, they get dis- they get discouraged. That I Communicate your thought quick right? Okay, great. And you know, and that's what I that's what we're talking about, right? Is is everybody wants to disciple until they know that there's a cost. We all know there's a cost. Right? Everybody wants the the fun, the adventure, but nobody wants to like get in the <laughs> in the time that it would require. Was there somebody one of you ladies back there? He, yep. Might on the right? Yeah, absolutely. The difference between the program and part of the DNA. I love that. Because actually that reminds me of a conversation that I've had with one of our pastors that I'm working with. And what we're working on is everybody wants to backpack Jesus. It's, a backpack is easy to put on, right? But how do we get people from grabbing the backpack to actually getting it to be in their DNA? So that what they do, everything that they do is about discipleship with that core mission in mind at all times, of multiplication. We get distracted by the addition, right? I'm working with a church, that's one church, 15 campuses. It grows fast. The addition becomes distracting. The addition, we need to tend to the addition, right, of the growth, but then it becomes distracting from the multiplication. Because I'm no math genius. I actually did not do well in math, and I don't do public math for that reason. But I know that addition is a lot easier than multiplication. So that is one of the things that distracts us as well, is we, uh, we, we become overwhelmed uh, by it. All right, so what are the challenges, what, what results do we get from some of those challenges? People dive in, they do it, and what happens? They stop. Why do they stop? I'm sorry. They don't see results quick enough. Okay, yep. They don't see results quick enough. They're tired. They're burnout. out. Why do they burn out? My humble opinion, I think that sometimes we rely too much on skill. We rely too much on curriculum. I love what Justin said. If you're going to use curriculum, you run the risk of making disciples of curriculum. (laughs) And when their curriculum is not there anymore, what happens? And we're here because we're making disciples. We're we're been called to make disciples of Jesus, not of curriculum. So that burnout, we don't count the cost. We rely on skill. We rely on gifting. We rely on experience. We rely on great systems that we put in place, and none of that is bad. None of that is bad. But gifting will only get you so far. Skill will only get you so far. Curriculum is only gonna get you so far. So, um, I have a first slide. I'm gonna tell you a story that I'm gonna run through our time together. And, oh, oh look. <laughs> Aren't they so cute? <laughs> I just love them. <laughs> and it's also like the end of the day, on the third day, of will be being away from home, so I'm ready to go home. So seeing them is like, oh, there they are. This is my family. And um, I uh, often refer to them as um, seeing their faces is a reminder of God's mercy in my life. Uh, Not perfect, but they're mine, so I claim them. Um, And since the slide is up, I forgot about the slide. So the really handsome guy on the top is my husband. um, And then our oldest on this side is Caleb, he's 21. Jacob is 19, Um, Ellie is 16, and Bailey is four years old, but she thinks that she's a puppy still. I won't tell you how old I am. Okay, I am an inch, I'm an inch, an inch away from 50, there we go. Uh, that was about a couple years ago. If I could have the next slide, it would be awesome. So um, I was talking with my husband on um, just kind of being able to share illustrations of this outline that I came up with. And I was reminded, our oldest son, Caleb, he wrestled since he was in eighth grade. But I have to tell you, Caleb was not a wrestler. He hated wrestling. He did not like wrestling. He did not like wearing what he used to call a leotard, which is a singlet, right? And uh, the first, he is one of the most flexible, his flexibility and his strength. Sweet mercy. I mean, he he just is. He actually enjoys walking around the house and picking me up now. And just, he'll just randomly, when he comes home from college, I'll be cooking and he'll just come and pick me up. I'm like, put me down, kid. And uh, so he's super strong, super flexible, did not want to wrestle, but coach. So coach Steve, you'll see him in a minute. So coach Steve saw him out and he called him and said, Hey, I need a wrestler. So you need to come and join the team. And Caleb was like, well, I don't wrestle. He's like, no, I didn't ask if you wanted to wrestle. I said, I need a wrestler, and you have all the things that I need, so get on the team. And uh, Coach Steve, he is very hard to say no to, and there's a good reason for it. So Caleb joined the team. The first meet that he went to, the first uh, match, he was pinned in like, I don't even know how fast. And, you know, as a mom, I have this love-tension relationship as a mom, as a wrestling mom, because you see your baby that is bigger than you in the mat. And he's being like, Tango, you want to jump in there? You're like, no. My husband's like, stay off the mat. (laughs) He's a man. He's going to take care of himself. Um, But so anyways, I've learned to just sit on the bleacher and wait for Caleb to come around. And I said, hey, bud. And he goes, that was rough. I said, yep. I said, what happened? And he said I think I just relied too much on my flexibility. Skill. It's a skill of his and I did not listen to coach. And I said in my mind like, "Oh, so glad that I don't have to say <laughs> it." I said, "Yeah." I said, "So what are you going to do next time?" He goes, I think I'm gonna start paying attention. I said, it's a good plan. So he went back out, and uh, so it was a tournament, so it was a series of, of matches. He goes back out, and I, my first meet as a mom, but there's a lot of older, more experienced wrestlers, so I'm starting to pay attention. And as I'm paying attention, and he is about to like get pinned, but one thing that I noticed from the older guys is that if you can get to your knees, from any position, if you can find your way to your knees, then you can kind of find whatever, I don't know what they call it still, but you know, like you find your balance or whatever with your hands and your knees and you can actually start pushing yourself up. So I paid attention to that. And he was still not listening to Coach very well, but I made eye contact with him and he was about to be pinned again. And all I could do was yell at the top of my lungs I said, Son, get to your knees, get to your knees, and he did, and then shortly after that was this picture, because he wants you get to your knees, and you can start actually pushing yourself up, and he got back up on his feet, and this picture was not that same day, <laughs> this picture, so this was the, the rest of that season, that first season, and this picture was when his contribution gave them the points that they needed to win the state championship because he started listening to the coach. He was able to endure, which brings me to, we need to inspire, what is it that helps us endure? Hebrews 12.1 is a go-to of mine. The last part of that, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, it tells us that Christ endured the cross. For Caleb, the relationship that he built with his coach, the relationship that he built with his team, and I'm going to tell you that as we move along, the joy set before him was he wanted to contribute to the team. And therefore, he showed up at every practice. Whatever coach asked of him, he did. And, and he, you know, he worked hard. He worked hard. But it required time and it required effort because skill and gifting or systems or programs or curriculum or you fill in the blank is only going to get us so far. So what do you think about that? When you think about for the joy set before you, is there someone that comes to mind, then you can go, you know what, Lord, for the joy set before me of seeing this person become a disciple that makes disciple that makes disciples. Is there someone that the Lord has put in, you, in your mind? I'm going to ask you that question as we move through each one of my points. I want you to start thinking of who is a person that you have seen endured well, that, you have mo- that has modeled that for you. And then I want you to start thinking, who is someone that I might be able to do that for? Because remember, you don't have to do it for 20. You just gotta, do it, just gotta start with one. You know your capacity. So who is someone that has done that for you, that has endured well? And who is someone that God might be calling you to do that. All right, so as we move to the essentials for core team leaders that don't give up, we're gonna start with counting the cost because there's always a cost. There's always a cost, right? So we count the cost. Caleb did not count the cost in that first meet. (laughs) But you know what, he counted the cost after that and he was able to move forward. Uh, So when we count the cost, you know, Tim Keller, who's a a favorite uh, writer, uh, author of mine and pastor, um, he said, discipleship is not an option. It's not an option. But you know what? Jesus said it first. (laughs) Matthew 28, right? It's not an option. He said, go do it. But he gave us a promise with it. I am with you till the ends of the age. But it's not an option, it's not a disciple-making, it's not not a spiritual gift, it's a command. It's not an option. So what's the cost? Because it's going to cost you something. I know it has cost me a lot. It's been worth it, though. So start thinking about that. You have to weigh in the cost. Um, It wasn't that long ago that I experienced one of those costs. And um, actually one of our local uh, navigator, uh, you know, one of those really old wise, you know, they just know that like, he's has had a lifetime with Jesus. I was in a meeting with him and he stopped me for a second and he said, Gina, I'm not going to ask you details, he said, but I can see that your heart is heavy. And I'm like saying, I'm like, don't ask, don't, I, I, I don't want to cry right now. You know, <laughs> and he goes, now I can see your heart is heavy. He said, can I, can I encourage you on know, something that the Holy, I believe the Holy Spirit is asking me to share with you. And how do you say no to that? I mean, the Holy Spirit is asking him, right? So I said, of course, Nenny." And he said, you know, Gina, he said, I want you to tuck this one away. He goes, this one will probably serve you well for as long as you're in ministry. When you make the decision to live your life according to God's priorities, it'll cost you. It'll cost you relationships. It'll maybe, you'll be marginalized for it. And here's the one, he goes, and I think this is the one that you're having a hard time with, and it was. And he said, "You you, you run the risk of being misunderstood. I would add one more to that. And I would say, we run the risk of those things, but we don't get the privilege of explaining ourselves. We don't always, and that is a privilege, to explain ourselves. Because I just have to remember who it is that has asked me to do what what he's asked me to do. And then I need to decide if I'm going to be obedient to that or not. And the cost is worth it, because the mission is worth it. An essential part of core team leaders that don't give up is inspiration. How do we communicate a clear disciple-making vision and provide clear direction? You know, this picture is here. Uh, The kids knew the mission. The kids knew that Coach was building a team. Yes, he wanted them to win. (laughs) Who doesn't, (laughs) right? Um, but one of the things that I loved about coach is that it didn't matter who the kid was. And here's the best part. It did not matter if they won or if they lost their match. I am telling you, this is how you grab them off the, off the mat. He would just, he would grab them, whether, whether they had lost or win, where it was the best match of their life or their worst. He, those kids knew Coach was going to be standing in that corner, and he was not just going to shake their hand. He was going to pick them up. This one here, I love this because just the look in his face, he's speaking right into them. This was a tough match for this little boy. Do you see the intentionality of it? He's not distracted by anything else. His focus is on that team member. This one I'm a little biased because this one's mine. <laughs> and I just love him. He was always fun when you see him grabbing the little kids, but when he picks up boys that are like as big as him and he just carries them off the mat, either in celebrating the win, which we have to celebrate the wins, friends. We have to. No matter how small, how short, how big they are, we have to celebrate the wins. Whether they were celebrating a win or they were Coming off the mat in absolute defeat. And I'm going to tell you this what I don't like about wrestling it's defeat. And it's personal, <laughs> it, it, it hits every part of those boys' hearts. So, how, when, when we experience defeat, when our team members experience defeat, What are they hearing back from us? Do they see disappointment, or do they say, "Hey, listen, I've blown it too. Let's get back at it. Let's get back at it." So, so we need to. But in order to inspire, what I loved about Coach Beniger is that um, how he inspired is he never asked his wrestlers to do anything that he was not willing to do. He was a practitioner. He wasn't just the coach yelling from the side he was a coach that told them what the goal was and yes i said the goal was winning because that's what they practice for but coach Bannegar loves the lord he is a godly man he goes after the lord hard and like those kids knew that the reason that he was coaching was because coaching was his vehicle to disciple young men and he modeled it by the way that he showed up to practice and prayed with them, and then at the end he would ask them to pray. And he modeled it by the way that he would open the scriptures at the beginning, and then he would ask them to close them up. And he modeled it by being a, a, a wrestler himself. He wrestled for, the, for U of M, and he would still, you know, he would walk out of the mat like, yeah, oh, I'm feeling it, but he would get on the mat with them. He never asked them to do something that those kids knew that he was not willing to do himself. So my question, and I ask myself this question, for those people that I'm leading, am I modeling that for them? Am I just telling them to go make disciples or am I actually making disciples? So I, I actually, you know, we work with churches, so I, we, do, we come alongside, but I do have a group of young women that we sit around my table every Thursday night and we open the scriptures. How do I go and tell you, hey, you know what, you need to open the scriptures with your team. Like, you need to get in the word. Gina, when do you do that? Oh, you know, I was traveling. (laughs) You know, we meet on Thursday nights, on my way to the airport, or actually no, in the airport, so I'll be driving. At the airport, we'll all jump on a call because I'm not home. Why, because they know that I'm committed to it. Because I'm committed to it, these are 18, 19 to 23 year old girls. They have not missed one night in a year. Before that, you wanna know what time we met? Seven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. They all showed up. I told them, I show up and you don't, we're gonna have words. <laughs> because if I'm gonna be there at seven in the morning, uh, and they do. Why, so how, do, how are we inspiring people? We can't inspire from a, from a side. We can't inspire from afar, better yet. So, are you willing to get in the wrestling mat with them? Are you still thinking about that one person? Who has gone in the wrestling mat with you? Who has gone into your mess with you? I, I, I have three women that have gone into the deeps, the depths of my messes of life, and I am so thankful for them. And in many ways, those women are the ones that have inspired me to be willing to get into the mess of life with young women. So you got to count the cost because there is going to be one. But I'm going to tell you the cost is worth it. What inspires you? How are you inspiring others? The valued togetherness for the sake of the team. Dane talked about differences. You're going to have them. No way around it. You're going to have them. Because you know what? We're all people. (laughs) We're all broken. (laughs) We all have issues. We all need Jesus desperately. So you're going to have them. What I love about this picture is, so this was another um, championship that they won. What I love about this particular picture is this boys here. Um, They are, they were the senior class that Caleb graduated with, that, that were on the team. I love them as if they were mine. Uh, I feel like I have gave, had some birthing pains with them, too. <laughs> uh, you know what I love when I look at that picture? Each one of them are so different, so, so different. And when they started this journey, they did not get along. They were not. They were, like, they, they were, they were actually in a really, really not good place. Not individually. But them together. You know, one of the reasons that Coach Benegar pulled him in, he knew that those boys, to this day, they, they, they never became like bestest friends, like they couldn't live without each other. But those boys, to this day, they're now juniors in college. When one of them comes home, they check on each other. Those boys, you know, they're still their own thing. They're, they still probably would have conflict but they've learned to appreciate the differences. And they learned that they had a goal in mind and their contribution mattered to the team. Because like Pastor Day said, we can become very individual, like an individualistic mindset. It's not just in golfing. I mean, wrestling is a, you know, individual sport. But you get to those meets, you know where it matters? The points you give to the team and they add them up. So what I loved about this picture is that they endured. They never became bestest of friends that they couldn't do anything without. I don't think we're supposed to do that with everybody, but they were a team. They were a team that endured to the end. They valued their togetherness. They knew that their individual contribution mattered to the team. All right, abide. So um, I have a love-tension relationship with John 15. Any guesses why? Because I don't do it well. (laughs) But I know I need to do it. So because I know I need to do it, I have set out some rhythms in my life. So I've worked through John 15, whether I like it or not, whether I think I need it or not, every three months, like in depth. And I've done that probably for the last 15 years. Why? Because I don't abide well. Why? Because I ran track and I was a sprinter. I was the fourth leg on, on the uh, 400 um, relay. I, I don't pace myself well. So because of that, I have to develop those rhythms. If I'm going to be asking my girls tonight about what Jesus showed them in the scripture on their quiet time this morning, I've got to be ready to share with them what the Lord showed me in the scriptures this morning. Not because I was preparing for this, but because I want to spend time with him because I made intentional about abiding in him. So that out of the overflow of my abiding, even though I am physically tired right now, hopefully out of the overflow of my abiding, I can actually press on and endure and serve him. So John 15, all familiar with John 15, right? So I went out that way, because I needed to uh, congregate myself. I needed to like pull myself together. I know my fearfully, wonderfully made design, the way that God has designed me, and I had my outline you know, done a while back, but I get into the spaces and all these conversations and great information, and pretty soon I'm like, oh, that's a great story. Like, Gina, stay focused. <laughs> you know, you're gonna be there three hours otherwise. So I told uh, uh, Justin, I so I'm gonna go for a walk, and I'm gonna try to just go and pull myself together and let the Lord pull my head together. And I was walking around, and I was praying, and so I brought a branch with me. What do you think of this branch? It's dead? All right, any other thoughts on it? That's a key part. part of creation. Yeah, yeah. Were you gonna say something, sir? It's gonna wither. It's gonna wither. But it looks alive right now. If you did not see that it was not connected, you wouldn't think it was dead, right? But it's dead. It absolutely is dead. It may look green. It may still, it's only been a couple hours, so it still has, it hasn't like really started to wither. This is the challenge, friends. This is the challenge here. We're going to endure in this disciple-making vision and mission and command. From our Lord Jesus Christ himself this is the challenge we walk around and we look green but we're dying inside because we are disconnected from the vine this branch here doesn't matter how green it looks how alive it may look right now it will not grow anything anything it doesn't matter how hard it tries it doesn't matter how much effort it gives it Nothing will grow from this. You know what we could do? You could get some really strong tape and maybe <coughs> tape an apple to it. Maybe you can tape an orange. Maybe you can tape a strawberry. I don't know. But itself is not going to grow something. Yes, ma'am. Try putting it in a, in a container of water, and it will <laughs> run through the roots. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now my analogy is falling off, but that's okay. Because you know what? Yeah, connected back to, to a water source. connected back to something that is going to give it life. Right? Because right now it's dead. How are we going to grow disciples? How are we going to grow the fruit that John 15 talks about? The fruit that will last. Not just that low-hanging fruit. The fruit that will last. That's what we're after, is it not? How are we going to grow it if we're walking around doing our thing? We're not even stopping for water. I knew I had to bring it back to the water. (laughs) We're not even stopping for water. So we gotta make sure that we abide. So back to Caleb. Um, So the next slide, this picture here. I actually said that I wasn't gonna look at it because I can't look at that picture without tearing up. So that was the senior year. Caleb graduated 2020, as you guys all know, Stuff happened in 2020, and that was his last meet. We didn't know it at the time. And what I love when I look at that picture is I love that it captures everything that he did for those four, almost five years with Coach. But he had gotten distracted right before this. This was his fourth match. He was tired. It was the hardest match that he ever wrestled. Right before <laughs> it, he was not doing well, and somehow, by the Lord's mercy, because I was there were three of us moms, and we would sit on the bottom at the bottom of close to the mat. By God's grace, we made eye con- eye contact, and he was phased. I mean, he was. It was just a matter of time. And all I could say, I could it was no longer about me giving him instructions to get to his knees. He was not gonna find his knees, I'm telling you. There was no way around it. And all I could do is I said, son, you have to look to coach. You have to look to coach. Here I'm his mom, there's nothing that I won't do to the kid, but I realized there's nothing I can do for the kid. I have to turn him over. I have to turn him over to his coach. So in the same way for us, when the distractions are happening, we have to turn our eyes back to our coach. We have to turn our eyes back to Jesus. And then when we do that, hopefully, we're encouraging the rest of the people in our team to do the same. What I loved about this is he listened. Yeah, <laughs> he, like, he listened. I think it was he knew that it was, there was nothing else he could do. Um, and coach just got really close to him, as close as he could, and Caleb just kept looking up. And what I loved about it, it was loud in there. It was loud. He knew his coach's voice, and his coach gave him the out, and he got to this place. He had to hold it for a good chunk of time, because I don't even know the rules really, I just watched it. but. You know, you have to have both, I guess, both shoulders down for a certain amount of time. And the this the sweet kid, he's actually a sweet kid who he's wrestling with, um, just kind of kept moving just enough to where it wasn't a pin. And all I could do with everything in me, I just kept saying, Caleb, hold him. Just hold him. Just keep holding him and you can tell by the look in his face that boy left everything on the mat that day it took everything in him but he listened to his coach he did not get distracted and it was loud there was a lot of distractions in that gym that day this is like you know yeah it was a big it was a big match he has the, his mom yelling at him. He has everybody yelling at him. He has this, his dad on the other side of coach because dads are welcome to join the the, the coach sometimes. And there, and and he like zoomed in on his coach, and he I, he won that match also. And what I love about it is that in the sweetness and kindness of our Lord, we didn't know that was his last match. But he ended his uh, wrestling career in victory. There were many. There were many, many, many in-betweens. Okay? But I love that he ended his career in victory. Friends, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we have that same promise. We will end this disciple-making career That he's called us to, because it's not just for this season. It's like Pastor David said, we're we're in for the long haul. Till when? Till he comes back. He said, Go do it. I'm with you till the ends of the age. Till when? Till the ends of the age. If we stay focused and don't get distracted, we are guaranteed that same victory. Don't give up. Keep trying. Keep getting off the mat. Because you know what the beautiful thing is? You may get pinned, there's always another match. Be ready for the next match. And I think that when we do that, we see the beautiful fruit of multiplication. We start seeing lives being multiplied. We start seeing the gospel move forward. We start seeing people's life being ignited for the kingdom. So I share with you, you now know Caleb's story, thank you. I told you that was his last match, 2020. Um, That is his coach who showed up at our front door in the middle of COVID. He had been quarantining with his family until we knew that we were safe, so I don't want to make the sound that we were being irresponsible. (laughs) Um, He showed up. When Caleb, we live in a, um, it's a long, very long driveway. Caleb, and you can see when the first car turns you know, into it. And when Caleb saw Coach's car, he ran out. There's some bushes <laughs> right about here. That boy skipped and jumped. And you know what? My favorite part is, he knew Coach would catch him. <laughs> Like, there was no doubt in his mind that coach was gonna catch him. Like, I'm like, well, what about if he wouldn't have made it? Like, it was not even a thought that his coach would not catch him. And you can't see, um, so one of the things that I'll say before I say this, so Coach Steven, he doesn't even know that I'm sharing this, I literally just put this together as I was coming to the plane, and then I asked my amazing teams, team uh, members that that uh that, yeah would they help me put this life together because the lord just kind of gave you this so um one of the things that i love about coach steve is that um he went after them again this is the middle of covid but he was like you know what i'm safe i know they're safe those young men need to know that they're still seen those young men need to know that their victory did not end in the mat and he, he drove around and gave them all their trophies, their um, awards. You know what Caleb's award was? You can't read it. Caleb was awarded his most valuable wrestler his senior year. Not because Caleb loved wrestling, but he became a phenomenal wrestler. It was so much fun to watch him wrestle. It was, I mean, he just, he just did it. And it's not because it was his gift. It was not because it was even something that he loved or that he was skilled on. It was because one man saw him and went after him. It wasn't about wrestling. It was never about wrestling. Even though coach loves to wrestle, one man saw him, he went after him, and he saw wrestling as his vehicle to reach young men to disciple them. What's your vehicle? mine is sushi sometimes (laughs) that's a joke half a joke Um, what's your vehicle what's the door that God is opening for you where is it where is he where is she you just need one because if there's two of you as a team and start building from there just be willing to endure and see what God does with that so yeah, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll close with this and then we'll move into questions. I want to make sure we have enough time for a conversation. Um, I'll close with this. So Andy Stanley once said, it's been a gazillion years ago, uh, and, but he said, you know, your greatest contribution to the kingdom is not going to be something that you do, but it's going to be someone that you raise. Who is God calling you to raise up? And we can take that application, I mean, we can take that about our kids and our family. We can take about the people in our churches that God has entrusted to us. We can take that to whatever team God has called us to to lead. How are you raising up? Because we, as navigators, we know, we know that our calling and our mission is to raise up the next generation of disciple makers next door to everywhere. In our homes, in our churches, in our workplace, wherever we are, that's the next door to everywhere. Where? everywhere everywhere so who is it that God is calling you to it'll be worth it there'll be a cost I'll tell you where I was this morning and make the cost worth it for me because there is a cost we all I wish I only had the t-shirt to prove it <laughs> um, so Luke if I may share this with you so Luke 4 Luke 4 18 and 19. I call this the mission of Jesus because it's kind of what he came to do. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppra- oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It'll cost us. It'll cost us. This is worth it. This is worth it. I praise Jesus for the woman that thought I was worth the price that they paid. I praise Jesus for the navigator that so my my darling husband as a young lieutenant in Arizona and in a very wonderful navigator way pulled him in and started discipling him and when we got married you know what my husband said to me this is how we will live our lives this is what we will spend the rest of our lives doing Gina are you in for this he's not on staff I am which is kind of funny (laughs) but that is how we're living our lives because it's worth it has somebody done that for you? And if they haven't, one of the saddest things, I was walking through a discipleship pathway with uh, one of our one of the churches that I'm working with, and one of them looked up and said, "You know what I have a problem with this?" And I said, "Well, of course you do what's the problem?" And she looked at me and she goes, "I've never been discipled. You know what she, what her job is? <coughs> she is in, in charge of discipling." The leaders, it's a group of leaders. I won't tell you which ones because I kind of have to be careful with. (laughs) Her job is discipleship and leadership development of small group leaders. And she's like, I've never been disciple, Gina. I said, well, want to (laughs) start? Right? So if you've never been disciple, if you've never experienced that, start doing it. Break that cycle. You start doing it. Because God has called you. God has called you. You have everything that you need because Scripture just told us that the Spirit of the Living of the Lord of the Living God is upon you. So that is all I got. And now I would love to hear from you. uh, Any thoughts or anything that you might have, or any feedback, or anything else that we can give you as we wrap up this send off. Justin is here. Donnie's here. We have. Dane is still here. We have several of our team is still here. Anything that we can do to help you, uh, we would love to answer your questions. Go ahead. This simply doesn't apply to the core team. You can discipling someone. Uh, probably not a set length of time. You know, you're not going to the end. Mm-hmm. But you're also there trying to be prepared to turn them loose right, to yes. someone else. Yep. So any thoughts about how you know when? Yeah. When, yeah. When, that, when that is? Yes that's a great question funny you ask about that so I'll use um, I'll use my Thursday night girls as an example but this this applies in the church context our way so about four weeks ago they started telling me about all these girls that they're seeing that they need someone to disciple them and they said well can we just invite them can they just come to our group and I said no they're like, what? <laughs> They're like, Gina, isn't this? I said, no. I said, tell you what, I said, I'm going to pray about it. I said, I know the answer is going to still be no, but we'll talk about it on our, our, our next Thursday night. So we're sitting around. So Thursday nights, we cook together, we eat together, and we open the scriptures. We follow no curriculum. We just open the scriptures. And um, and so there's there's seven of them. And it's more than I actually normally have around the table. But um, that's too long of a story to share how that happened. But uh, I said to them, I said, listen, girls, I said, I know. I said, I know that you're seeing it. I said, and I'm so glad that you're seeing it. Because the navigators, we, we say there's five points to a disciple maker. They have to be a follower of Jesus. They have to know and live the scriptures. You can't just know. It, you have to be living it, right? You, ha- uh, you um, seek biblical community, the church, the fellowship of the, cha- of the saints, Um, You have a heart for the lost, evangelism, which results in multiplying multiplication, right? So from the very beginning that we actually started meeting, about a year and a half ago, they knew why we were meeting. They knew that at some point, they were going to be going out to do it. So we've been meeting for about a year and a half now. So the question comes up, and I said, oh my goodness, you are at the fourth point. Like, this is awesome. I said, but I can't let you bring them in. I said, and here's why. It'll disrupt the integrity of this group. It'll disrupt the intimacy of this group. I said, and actually, this is not a new problem. This is a Mark 9 problem where Jesus said there's not enough laborers. I said, but he didn't add any to his disciples. So a discipleship, you know, small group or one-on-one is not meant to grow. It's meant to multiply. So I said, so which one of you guys are taking them? And they were like, oh snap, she just called us out. I said, yes I did. I said, there's seven of you right here. Who's gonna do it? I said, if you guys want, I mean, you can, you can bring them into the house. I'll cook for them too, but it won't be the same group. I said, actually I prefer you not do it because again, you don't want to do the, the multiplication. It's, but, but you have to put it, you have to keep it ever in front of them because they get comfortable. I get comfortable, right? So at some point, so to answer your question, that's kind of the story of it, but to answer your question is, do they know what the goal is? And then do they know what the measurables are for them to feel that they're ready? So I have two of them that are actually like, you know what, we might do it. I had one of them that said, she goes, I don't have any more capacity. I'm, I'm already doing it with one. You wanna scroll about that? I went to get coffee, three, uh, like the next week or whatever it was at our local coffee shop, the girl at the counter, she um, sees that I meet with young woman in the coffee shop. And she's like, hey, so I asked this girl to disciple me. I said, you did? I'm like, how did it work out for you? She goes, could you believe she told me she'd pray about it? I said, that's a good answer. I said, who is it? And she goes, so she told me the name. So this is a really cool part, okay? And I didn't tell her who I was in the connection of it. The girl that is discipling the one, that's her girl. And that girl now is, is going to start discipling the girl at the register at the local coffee shop. The girl at the coffee shop does not know that she is my spiritual grandchild. I never told her because it's not about us. But do we see that, are we, do we keep that vision in front of people Long enough, constant enough, repeating it. I told them, I'm only doing this for one reason. Jesus told me, and I love you. but you're gonna go do it. So yeah, Gina, awesome.
0: All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. That was quite the journey from the beginning of those track sessions to, now. So thank you for digging in and sticking with me. We are jumping straight into the most recent forums track sessions coming up next. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, I highly encourage you to do that because we are not going to pause. We're not going to break. We are just jumping straight in there and getting down to business. All right, y'all enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope that you stayed inspired and encouraged as you are pouring your life out into others by making disciples. See you on the next episode.